If you'll take your Bible and you'll look in two passages. The first is Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 12. That will be on the screen for us to read aloud together. Then I want you to look over in Hebrews chapter 12. And we will read verse 1. We are in our fourth Sunday of our summer sermon series called Go for the Goal. Our goal is to live our lives in such a way that when we cross the finish line of life and we get there into heaven, we we stand before God the Father and He looks at us and He says, Well done, well done, good, faithful servant. That is the praise of heaven that we want to receive. You want that, I want that, those watching out there online, that's what we want. And we've talked about how to live our lives in such a way that we can receive that. In the first week, we talked about how we've got to learn to think right. We've got to think about, we've got to think right about who God is and who we are in His presence. In the second week, we talked about how we've got to aim right. In other words, how we've got to, how we've only got to think right about who God is and who we are, but we've got to set our lives and our and our our service for the Lord in the right direction and not be distracted by everything all around us. In the last week, in a very timely way, we talked about one of the biggest things that needs to happen in the church and in the lives of people all around us is we've got to learn to act right. We've got to act right. And then today, we want to talk about a fourth thing. If we're going to hear heaven's praise, we've got to learn how to stay right. In other words, we're going to talk about how to stay in life's race and persevere and endure and be faithful to the end so that we can hear God the Father say, well done, good, faithful servant. Our theme verse is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and it comes up on the screen. Read it out loud with me this morning. Paul is speaking, and here's what he says to us. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. In 1992 at the Summer Olympic Games in Barcelona, Jim Redman literally helped his son Derek cross the finish line at the 400 meter semifinal race. Derek had come on the British scene as a runner for Great Britain. He was the fastest of his country, setting many records. He qualified for the 1988 Seoul Olympic Games only to have to withdraw at the last minute from the competition because of an Achilles tendon injury where he would then undergo five surgeries, lots of rehab, lots of training to make it back to qualify for the 1992 Barcelona Games. In his opening heat, he was the fastest. He went to the semifinal heat, expecting to easily place so that he could go on to the final 
metal round to represent his country. But as he was racing in the semifinal race, Derek Redmond heard a pop in his right hamstring. And sure enough, his right hamstring disintegrated right in the middle of the race, causing him to fall to the track in huge amounts of pain. At that point, he had an opportunity to quit. He was surrounded by medical personnel, but he realized my country did not send me to the Olympics to start the race. They sent me to the Olympics to finish that race. So he got to his feet and he began limping along with a completely destroyed hamstring. Out of the crowd came Jim Redmond, Derek's father. He jumped the security fence. He ran past security and he said, that's my son out there. I'm going to help him finish the race. And he put his arms around his son and he helped his son cross the finish line. And he said to his son, 65,000 people cheered. Son, I'm more proud of you for finishing this race than I ever would have been had you won the gold medal. Watch it. We have a video. What's the lesson? What's the lesson that we learn? The lesson is simple. Stay in the race. 
Don't give up. Stop making excuses. Don't let the race of your life be determined by your circumstances, whether they be good or whether they be bad. Let others come alongside you in the race and help you get to the finish line. One of the things I love about that video, and the reason I wanted you to see it was because when the father came alongside his son, there were people who came from everywhere trying to stop him, and they were telling him, the race is over, you need to stop. And do you see what the dad said? The dad said, get away from us, we will finish the race. Did you see that? Did you read his lips? And another official came and said, you need to stop. He said, get away from us. We will finish this race together. You and I are in life's race as a child of God. And we're not perfect and we make mistakes and we do stupid things. And often in this race, we grow weary and we grow tired and we want to give up and we want to throw up our hands. And in this race, there are times when we get injured. There are times when we stumble and fall. In this race, sometimes it is hard. And you don't know how you're going to put one foot in front of another foot, how much you can't even see finish line but you know it's out there somewhere and there's those times we need people to come alongside us and we need the Holy Spirit of God to come alongside us and pick us up and put his arms around us and carry us and carry one another so that we can get to the finish line but it's so easy in this life to grow tired and weary We grow emotionally and spiritually tired and weary as the people of God because we're in a spiritual battle every single moment of every single day. Our emotions, our hearts, our souls become fatigued. And when that happens, we sometimes choose to do that which is not right. Or we blame our failures on someone else around us who let us down. Or we don't stand up for what we believe in. We'd rather just find it to be easier to compromise and go along with the world rather than be a light in the darkness. And oftentimes we don't want to do anything other than what we want to do. We want to throw up our hands and we want to give up. But today I want to talk to you about how to stay right. I want to talk to you about how to stay in the race. I want to talk to you about how to have spiritual endurance and perseverance even though it's hard. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 talks to us about this very thing and gives us the principles that we need to know to endure this race, to get across the finish line, help others across the finish line, and hear God the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, here's what we read. After an entire chapter talking about faith and those of the faith, the writer of Hebrews sums it up in these two verses and he says, therefore... Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us, here's what he says we ought to do, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance or run with perseverance the race that lies before us, or the race that some version of the Bible say the race that is marked out or set before us. 
keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source or the founder and perfecter or finisher of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. So how do we have spiritual endurance and perseverance? In this life, it's often easy for us to feel like we're running out of time, to get really frustrated. We're always in a rush, aren't we? Aren't we always in a rush? No matter where we're going, no matter what we're doing, we're always in a rush. It doesn't matter if we're going to take a nap. We're in a rush to go take a nap. Do you notice that? I mean, we're always in a rush. We have trouble making decisions because of the overload in our minds. Our, our, our minds are filled with information and facts and statistics and tasks all day, every day. We often find ourselves lacking patience. We find ourselves having a hard time loving other people the way Jesus loves them. We find that sometimes our relationship with God feels at best superficial. Artificial. And we wonder, God, are you really there? And we pray, and it seems like our prayers are going absolutely nowhere, as if we're just talking to ourselves. It's easy to lose our spiritual endurance as followers of Jesus Christ. The good news is this morning, I want you to understand something. If you're truly a child of God, listen to me, you're still in the race. You're still in the race. And it's going to be okay. Because God the Father has not left you in the race alone. He has come alongside you right now. And His arms are around you. You say, I don't feel it. It's not about whether you feel it. It's whether or not you have faith to trust God's Word. When God says, I'll never leave you nor will I forsake you. God the Father has come alongside you. His arms are around you. And on those days when you can't take another step. And on those days when you don't know what to do next. And on those days when decisions can't be made. It is God the Father. He has put His arms around you. And He is carrying you and he is pulling you and he is pushing you to the finish line because he loves you and I tell you don't give up persevere so pastor how, how, do we, how do we do that glad you ask let me talk to you about how to stay right because this scripture shows us four things we can do quickly to stay right number one you've got to run with peace You've got to run with peace. Now, here's what the, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, we have these, this cloud of witnesses, these who have gone before us, who are, who are testimonies of, of, of what faith looks like. You say, where are they? Read the whole chapter 11 in front of us. By faith, Moses. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, they endure. We have these who have, who have endured before us. He said that they've surrounded us. And he said, therefore, let us, like them who have finished, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, tangles us, trips us up, weighs us down, burdens us down. 
To run with peace is to run with endurance. To run with endurance is to run with allowing the peace of God into our lives. The writer of Hebrews shows us that the reason we don't have peace is because we allow things into our lives that hinder us, things into our life that slows us down, things into our life that burden us down, things into our life that weigh us down, things into our life that easily trip us up. We allow sin in our lives that wrap up all of our time and our energy into useless endeavors that mean nothing in the kingdom of God. And because of those things, we're always stumbling and falling. Have you, have you noticed that? If you were watching the Olympics a little bit last night, they had track and field. They had the, 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 the four by 400 meter relay race for men and women. Did you notice the runners? Did you notice what they had on? The runners are wearing practically nothing. They have nothing on their body that will slow them down. I mean, can you imagine the Olympic runners going out and, and they got their big USA bag and they just got it full of their extra running shoes and water bottles and, and they, got it, they got it full of their clothes they're going to go to later on that evening when they got to go to this or that and they got their other track suit and they got all their other stuff. And so they, they walk into the Olympic stadium and this big, huge bag full of stuff. And it's time for the race to start. And they pick up this big heavy bag and they put it on their back. I mean, it's their bag. It's their stuff. They put the stuff in the bag. And they're carrying it around on their shoulders. And they get ready to run the race. So they got the baton in their hand. And they're ready to run the race. They're ready for the start. But they're carrying this bag. Do you know what the bag is going to do? The bag is going to slow them down. The bag is going to weigh them down. The bag is going to get in their way. The bag can cause them to trip and fall. The bag is going to cause them to get distracted. The bag is going to cause them to not finish the race the way they want to start and finish. And we say, how stupid would that be for these runners to carry the bag on their shoulders and run the race. And yet, I want you to know that in this room right now, all around me, everyone listening to my voice, those out there listening to, you, to me online, let me tell you what, the majority of folks in this room, we're trying to run life's race with the bag on our shoulders. You say, well, pastor, if we're carrying this bag and it's entangling us and called us to be distracted, what kind of bag is it? What do we put in our bag? I'll tell you what we got in our bag. For some of you here today, you got revenge in your bag. And it's weighing you down and burdening you. You say revenge, yeah. Listen, some of you today cannot serve God and you cannot serve others because of that grudge that you're holding on to towards some other person. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody in your home. It might be somebody that is on your job. It might be your employer. It might be somebody in your Sunday school class. It might be somebody sitting on the pew with you. It might be somebody sitting across the room from you right now. But you're holding on to that grudge today as hard as you can because you will not allow yourself to forgive because what you want them to do, you want them to pay for what they've done to you you want revenge and you really believe that by holding on to that grudge you're hurting them you're not hurting them listen to me those people you're mad at those people you won't forgive those people that you're holding a grudge on to they've not given you two seconds of thought they don't care 
You're not hurting them. You're hurting you. And you're hurting your relationships with everybody all around you. And you're trying to run life's race. And the Holy Spirit of God's trying to work in you. And God's trying to move you. And God wants you to serve. But you can't because you're holding on to revenge. And you've got it in that bag. Let me tell you what else you got in the bag. Not just revenge, you got resentment. Resentment. There's a lot of folks walking around here with some resentment. You, you put a big smile on your face, but in your heart you are angry and you are frustrated and you are mad and you really believe that you have been treated unfairly by someone. You've been treated unfairly by some group. You've been treated unfairly by God himself, perhaps. And you have resentment. Things are not going according to your personal plan. People are not following the way you think they ought to fall into place. God is not falling into place the way that you think he ought to. And you're resentful toward others. You're resentful toward some people in your home. You're resentful toward some people on your job. You're resentful toward some people in the church. You're resentful toward God himself. So you fill your bag with revenge and you've got your bag full of resentment. And some of you this morning and putting your bag regret. Regret. Boy, if there was ever one thing the devil weighs us down and burned us down with, it's regret. Regret. Some of you are so full of regret. You're carrying around a gym bag of regrets into life's race. You look at your life and you wish you just had a do-over. You wish you could just start all over again. You wish you had never said what you said. You wish you had never done what you did. You wish you had never made that choice, never made that decision, never acted that way. But you did. And you regret it. And you're embarrassed by it. And you're carrying guilt around with you. Every day. Oh, you've been to the altar a time or two. You've prayed about it. said, oh God, forgive me of this. And the minute you, you put it down before God, you pick up that regret one more time and you pick up a little bit more with it every single time. And you fill your bag and you fill your bag and you fill your bag with it. And it's heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Like putting bricks in the bag. And that guilt eating you from the inside out. For some of you is the and your bag is the bag of relapse. Relapse. You know what I mean. That sin, that temptation that you continue to battle that won't go away primarily because you won't let it go away. You continue to carry that sin around with you acting and pretending like it's not there and it doesn't affect you and doesn't bother you. And for some people in the room today, the sin is not so much something that you've done. The sin might be the fact that you've not done anything. And you know God's told you to, but you haven't done it. And you're carrying around that sin of disobedience toward God in that bag because you simply will not do what God wants you to do. God's told you to be saved, but you won't come and be saved because you're more worried about what everybody else is going to think about you. God's told you and your family to join this church, but you hadn't done it because you've got other things you want to do. Because if you were to come and join, then that would mean commitment and somebody might expect something from you. God's told you to come and be baptized to make public your profession of faith and follow Him in obedience, but you won't do it because you've done other things in the past and you think that that's important to you. I mean, I can just list thing after thing after thing after thing. And today, here's what I know. You can release 
all this and you can find peace in your heart and in your mind. You can find peace in your emotions and in your spiritual life because today, no matter what you filled your bag with today in the Lord Jesus, there is forgiveness. And if you'll just let him, what will he do with it? Well, we read in Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Peter echoed this same thing in 1 Peter 5, 7 when he said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Today, God can forgive you and take all that extra weight out of your life so you can run with peace. Okay, not only run with peace, but secondly, I think in this life, we've got to run with purpose. We've got to run with purpose. Do you see what it said there? He said, run with endurance the race. That is before us. The race, some of the, some of the passages of Scripture, some of the translations there, when you read this in, in original Greek, it's talking about there's markers. Someone has set markers up all along the way that this is the, the marker, and then there's a direction sign, and there's another marker, and there's a direction sign. And so the, the, the only way to really run the race successfully is you've got to run the race that God has set out before you. You've got to follow His purposes for your life. Because when you start following your way and you start following your purposes, you get off track. You get off in the ditch. You get off in the wilderness. You find yourself off course and in trouble every single time. And so do I. There's a race and, and there's a course is marked out for us. We have the purposes of God. Listen to the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 26. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run but only one gets the prize? He's talking about the finish line. You've got to cross the finish line. He said, so run in such a way as to get the prize. He said, you choose whether or not you do this. Therefore, he said, I do not run. If ever there was a phrase that described the way most people are living their life right now, it is that word aimlessly. We are living our lives aimlessly, without clear purpose, without clear direction. We think that the race of life is about our life, and it's all about us, but it's not. We think our purpose in life is to live for ourselves and to please ourselves and do whatever we want. And in the end, we think God then, after we've done all we wanted to do, then God still ought to say to us, well done. He doesn't do that. It doesn't work that way. Any of you ever out there feel like you're running the rat race? And we use that terminology in America, the rat race. You know what I mean? The little, the little mice gets on the thing, just runs on the wheel, just runs. He runs his little heart out. No matter how hard he runs or how slow he runs on the wheel, he gets nowhere. You ever feel like you're running the rat race? If you're running the rat race today, you know what you are when you finish the race? You're still a rat. You're not a winner. You're a rat. You didn't get anywhere. You just stayed on the wheel. You stayed busy in the house of God doing spiritual stuff. Convincing yourself you're right with the Lord because you did spiritual stuff and you stayed busy. But you didn't grow spiritually. You didn't make a difference for the Lord because you never lived out His purposes. God's first purpose for your life is to know Him personally. Do you? Do you? Do you know that you know that you know that you know if you breathed your last breath right now you'd go to heaven? A lot of you don't. You hope so. You guess, you guess maybe you do. But you don't know. 
But you can know by trusting your life to Jesus today. That's the first purpose. That's where you've got to start. Once this is established, your next purpose is to help as many people as possible know Jesus is their Lord. It's called making disciples. You're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you try to help others do the same. As you fulfill those purposes, you are running life's race in a way that God honors that. Run with peace, run with purpose. There's a third thing. Listen, you also got to run at the right pace. You've got to run at the right pace. The Bible says run with endurance, or the word there is perseverance. That means to run without quitting, to run without giving up. That's what it said there in verse 1. This speaks of running life's race at the right pace and not giving up. You see, whenever you listen to the announcers talk about the track and field event, one of the things they'll always say is, so-and-so is setting the pace. Or he is setting his pace. They were talking about last night in the in the the four-by-four women's uh, relay race, they were talking about the first runner. And they said the value of being the first runner is you set the pace for the rest of the team. If you get out and set the right pace, then the rest of the people that you hand the baton to, they're going to be at the right pace as well, and you finish well. You see, we've got to run with the right pace. This speaks of running life's race at the right pace. And often in this life, we don't run at the right pace. We are self-centered. We like living at a frantic pace where we run every day to not please God, but to please ourselves. When we run at the right pace... We're seeking to please God first. And in that race, you've got to pace yourself. You see, life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. You've got to pace yourself and you've got to stay hydrated. How do you stay on the right pace? How do you stay hydrated? Well, if you're going to do that, you've got to stay in the Word of God. You've got to open up this book. You've got to read this book. You've got to see what God's saying to you. You see, this is not just the Word of God. These are God's words to you. And God is trying to help you stay on track and stay on course. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to sit alone and quiet with God, talking to God and listening to God and doing what God wants you to do. That's how you stay the right pace. God's Word becomes a priority, spending time in prayer, getting your finances in order spiritually, taking time to praise God and worship Him and honor Him taking time to be quiet and listen to God as He speaks, taking time to serve others and putting them first, taking time to do what God says, that's the right pace. Run with peace, run with purpose, run at the right pace. One final quick thing, you've got to run with priority. With priority. Now, verse 2 is the key to the whole thing. Because if you don't do what it says in verse 2, you'll never do what it says in verse 1. And here's where we're missing it today. Look what it says. He talks about running with endurance, the race that lies before us. How? How do we do that? Keeping our eyes on ourselves. Is that what it says? No. Keeping our eyes on others. No. Keeping our eyes on that guy sitting across from rope. No, no, mm -mm. no. How do you run the life of endurance? Keeping our eyes eyes on Jesus 
and Jesus Christ alone. Why? Because He is the source. He is the originator. He is the founder of our faith. And He and He alone is the only one who can bring it to completion. He is the only one who can bring it to a finish. He's the only one who can help us cross the finish line. And it's His voice we hear, well done, good, faithful servant. speaks of our priorities. As you think about life's race this morning, as you're looking down life's road, what do you see ahead of you? For some of you this morning, when you look down life's road, you know what you see ahead of you? A lot of problems. A lot of heartache. Some of you look down the road, all you see is that illness. Some of you looking down the road, all you see right now is that heartbreak. All you see right now is temptation. When you look down the road of your life, all you see is that relationship problem and all the decisions that need to be made. You may see a job change. You may see a financial strain. You may see challenges in all these areas of your life. But I wonder as you look down the road, do you see Jesus? Because everything I just named, all of those things, they're not in the middle of the road, they're on the side of the road. That illness can get you on the side of the road. That relationship problem can get you over here on the side of the road. All of these other things put you on the side of the road or on a detour. I want to tell you who's in the middle of the road. Jesus is in the middle of the road. Jesus is in the course. Jesus is in the way that you need to go. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. You better get on His road. Right now, today. It's only through Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off some other Christian. Get your eyes off some preacher. Get your eyes off some denominational leader. Get your eyes off some Sunday school teacher. Get your eyes off some deacon. Get your eyes off somebody else or some other thing. And I tell you, church, get your eyes on Jesus because He'll never let you down. All the rest of these folks will. I'm sure going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. I'll let you down. I'll let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Your mom and daddy will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Your boss will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Your best friends will let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because the Bible says there in verse 2, Jesus knew the cost of the cross for our sins. The Bible says he had to endure shame. Whose shame? My shame and your shame because of your sins and my sins. He had to endure our shame. He had to endure the guilt of our sin on the cross. But he said he did so with what? Joy. With joy. With joy. Do you think Jesus went to the cross and died and endured our guilt and our shame so that we can keep living for ourselves? Do you think he went through all of that so that we can do our own thing? Do you think he went through all of that so we can stay in sin? Do you think he went through all that so we can continue to carry around a bag of remorse and regret and resentment and revenge and relapse? Do you think that's why Jesus did all that? No! He did it all so that we can experience joy 
and life, and life more abundantly. Thank God that I can look forward in my life for however long it may last. And when I see Jesus, no matter what else I might see out there, as long as I see Jesus is right there and I fix my eyes on him, I have hope. This morning, stop denying your hurts. Stop denying the questions you have in your heart and mind. Stop denying your pain and your doubts. Stop acting like you don't have a life of disappointments. Own up to these things this morning. Admit them. Hey, say, hey, God, I'm struggling. 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 My eyes aren't on you. My eyes are on these things. I'm struggling, Lord. If you'll own up to those things today and you'll admit them to the Lord. You can take that bag off that so easily entangles you and hinders you and makes you trip and fall. And you can come to this altar and you can just you can put it down right there. Doesn't matter what's in your bag. Doesn't matter what's in there. Doesn't matter. What may be in my bag is not in your bag. What's in your bag may not be in mine. Doesn't matter what's in the bag. All I know is you can come and you can bring it to Jesus and you can step back from it. And you know what the Lord Jesus is going to do? He's going to say, I've been waiting for this day. And he'll say, stop looking at the bag. And stop looking at his bag. And stop looking at her bag. Stop looking at your bag. Lift up your eyes and look at me. Fix your eyes on me. And follow me. Because I got, I got this. I'll carry it. You just follow me. In the paraphrase of the message, a Bible translation, Eugene Peterson had a very unique way of saying what we read in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Here's what he said. You see what all this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with this. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No extra parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race we are in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself lagging in your faith, go over that story again item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Wow. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we need today? Yes. If you're carrying the bag, what are you going to do with it?
the opportunity today is during this time of invitation, you have the opportunity to come and be saved, some of you, for the first time. I told you last week, we got a building full of folks who think they're saved who aren't saved. But who don't have the courage to admit it. Two Wednesday nights ago at Revive, one of the finest young women that's ever been in this church, Hannah Walker. At the end of the service, she said she knew she wasn't saved. But she knew how to say all the right things and do all the right things. But she didn't have Jesus. And she prayed and asked Jesus to come into her life to forgive her sin and be the Lord of her life. You know what that is? That's courage. What that is, that's courage. That's courage from a 17-year-old girl that we need in the rest of this building this morning. That's the kind of courage we need. You know why? Because she she's been in this church her whole life. Sings and testify, comes and goes to everything, been on mission trips, been, been to Brazil, been everywhere. I mean, listen, just, I mean, you know, deacon's daughter, it's easy to play the game, man. Hey, look, I'm the deacon's daughter. I go to this, I go to all this. It's hard to have courage to say, it's all a game. I need Jesus. But she did. And there's others in this room this morning who need to do the very same thing. Some of you are Christians, and man, you're burdened down. You're struggling. I'm so sorry that you're struggling. Man, I wish I could fix it, but I can't. I wish I had answers for you, but I don't. But the Lord does. He can fix it. He can carry it. And he can be your answer. But you've got to let him. You've got to come to him today. Some of you need to come and join this church. You need to stop making excuses. You need to make a commitment to the things of God. Some of you need to come and be baptized. You need to make public your profession of faith that I'm saved, but I need to be baptized. You need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. Listen to the voice of God today. You know what you need to do. Don't walk out of here filling your bag with more regrets. It's not so much because of the things we do, it's the things we don't do. Jesus despised that shame, our shame, so that we and have joy today. Let's, let's have joy as we come and respond to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We said to begin with, Lord, we're in a spiritual battle and it's real. And we are. But we're not defeated. I pray during this time of invitation, we'd stop making excuses, start making tracks to this altar. Pray for folks that are in the building and folks out there watching online that today would be the day they come. The day they make decisions. Use this time to bring glory to yourself. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.